Welcome to the Six Figure Product Biz Podcast. I'm Carrie, a product-based business coach. I started, scaled, and sold a successful multi-six-figure e-commerce business, and now I love teaching entrepreneurs like you how to start, grow, and scale your dream product business. I'm obsessed with all things marketing, e-commerce, and business, and I cannot wait to share all my secrets with you. I also love all things dogs and coffee. Each week, you'll learn step-by-step tangible strategies to help you scale to the next level in your business, skyrocket your sales and traffic, reach more customers, and gain greater visibility in your business. Because I know you don't want to waste your time or energy trying to figure it out all on your own, but you want the business growth roadmap so you can create a profitable product business that gives you the life you love. Whether you're thinking of starting a product biz or scaling yours, this podcast is the secret sauce to making all those dreams come true. So grab your coffee and your favorite notepad and let's get started. Welcome to episode 82 of the Six Figure Product Business Podcast. Super excited about today's episode because we have one of my faves here, Jeannie, the owner and founder and badass behind the brand Ripley and Rue. And she is talking all things manufacturing. So I get a lot of questions on manufacturing and let's let's hear from someone who has manufactured a lot of different products, made a lot of mistakes, and did a lot of things the right way. And she is bringing all of that to this episode today. So if you are someone who is thinking about manufacturing but just doesn't know where the hell to get started and doesn't want to make mistakes, then this episode is literally perfect for you. So Jeannie, again, is the founder of Ripley and Rue, which is a pet and lifestyle dog mom brand. She's had her business for about six years, I believe. And, you know, I've known her from the beginning-ish stage of her business. And to see how much she has grown it just warms my little heart. And I love to be able to have chats with her and have her share just the things that's worked for her and, you know, all of her goodness. So grab your coffee, grab your wine, and let's dive into this episode all about manufacturing your product. Welcome back to the podcast, Jeannie. I'm so excited to have you on again. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me, Carrie. Yay. Um, So for those of you listening, we had Jeannie on the podcast last, I think it was like last December, and I think you were talking about branding. But if you want to introduce yourself, um, a little bit about you and your business. Yeah, my name is Jeannie, and I am the founder or creator of Ripley and Rue. Um, I started this company to create a bold and rebellious clothing line for dog lovers and their best friends. Um, and we are going into, ooh, it's our sixth year of business. So I would like to say I'm the OG, one of the OGs. Carrie is one of the OGs as well of the dog business world. Aw, I can't believe it's been six years. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. It's yeah. crazy. Cre- time flies by. Flies by. I actually think it was... Uh, it was in March, six years ago, when I came up with my idea at the gym. So it's crazy just to think like literally, I don't know, it's time has gone by really fast. So congrats on six years. And that's pretty impressive. I think what is the stat on most businesses closing after like one year or something? So yeah, that's amazing. And you have, we were chatting before um, and you yeah. recently rebrand and I was saying how much I, um, she has like, we're doing this on video, of course. So if you're listening, you can't see, but she has like this really cool pillow with her new logo on it. And I am a little obsessed with it. So. <laughs> yes, we did. We did recently rebrand and, um, we kind of spoke about how my, my new newer products weren't really vibing with my QC logos. So that is a shift we took to be more edgier products with a more edgier logo. So we kind of Took our mascot. He looks like a. Uh, she's a doodle because both of my dogs are doodles. But um, before she was just a cute little doodle with a bandana on, and now she is a, a badass doodle with a bandana on and sticking her tongue out, and she has sunglasses on. So she's just the, the very chic badass mascot of our brand. Is it? Is it one? Is it? Is it one of your dogs, or is it like? A combination of both dogs. It's kind of a combo. I would say uh, she, since she has a little bit sharper snout, she looks more like Ripley. But mm-hmm. um, and and Rue was definitely the original logo. So 
I would say this one's more Ripley. And Ripley is definitely more <laughs> more the bra- the the brats or the uh, you know the the re- the rebellious dog substitute. Yeah. So. Aw, I love it. Um, well, I'm so excited to talk to you today because we are talking about something that has really not even been mentioned on this podcast, which is crazy to have a product like a, you know a podcast dedicated to my e-commerce friends and then not have anything about manufacturing. So. I am so excited for today's episode because I think one, I'm going to learn so much from you about manufacturing, but two, um, I think you've manufactured lots of really cool things. And so I think it'll just be really beneficial to everyone listening. Um, so let's kind of dive into it. So to talk about your, talk about like your story with manufacturing, like how did you get started and like what made you turn to manufacturing products? Yeah, definitely. So the first three years, three years of my business, I was making everything myself. Actually, no, I changed that. I was actually working with local sewers. So I had contract sewers. They were making bandanas for me. Um, my first six months, I was sewing my own bandanas. And then I moved to um, kind of like a, it's it was like a community of women stay-at-home moms that wanted something to do. Um, and it was like this collective of sewers. So I thought that was a really fun opportunity to help employ some of these women that wanted to work from home. So I started outsourcing my sewing to these women and it was doing great. Um, but I ended up moving because it was in a town that was an hour away from me. I actually had to drive down there and pick up the bananas and then come back. So that kind of got a little you know, long and I, something I didn't want to keep doing. Um, it's just a lot of work to do. So I found somebody locally we did that for a while. And then I realized that the biggest thing with that was cost because everyone else that was making bandanas at the time, their cost was feel like it was getting lower and my cost was just really high. It was like $30 a bandana at the time. <laughs> like it was pretty high. Um, and no one, really wants to pay that much for a dog bandana. And I get that it's like, you know, made by a maker, but just the cost of employing that person, everything was just super high. And I really wasn't making like a great, you know, profit from it. So I had seen other businesses pop up and they were selling things, um, you know, like harnesses, collars and leashes. And they looked like very professional. And I was like, okay, I was like, they must be working with a manufacturer. And I feel like that's something I need to start looking into because one, I was selling out of everything. So when I launched a new product line, it would sell out. And then my customers pissed because it's like, okay, we want to buy more. I'm like, well, we're not really capable of making more quick enough. So that was definitely a turning point in my business where I'm like, okay, was definitely something that I should be looking into and definitely wholesaling. I wasn't able to wholesale like all these stores wanted to buy my product, but I didn't have enough even for my customers to sell to them. So that was another reason I was like, okay, we need to buy, we need to get, you know, more in bulk. So oddly enough, like finding the manufacturer, like it just so happened one reached out to me and that kind of just led me into, you know, kind of open the door of like, okay, this is something that I'll check out. And they offered to send me sample products of, you know, of some of their samples. I was like, sure, why not? Well, when I received the sample products, I noticed that these samples were from my competitors. I'm like, oh, so they're using this manufacturer. So they must be good, you know. That's really so funny. From- yeah, and I was like, okay, well, interesting, you know, you never know. Yeah, so from that point on, we, we we started working together, and I can get kind of down into the, you know, details of, of working into that, but. What was the first, was it a dog bandana, or was it like, what was the product that you first manufactured? My first, I actually did, I kind of went all out. So I went from... So primarily my store was dog bandanas at the time when we were making it. I was dog bandanas, was making t-shirts as well, um, was saying some of them and um, maybe some like hats and um, maybe accessories like tote bags, things like that, some smaller accessories. But when I started first with a manufacturer, I kind of went all out, <laughs> which I don't always, I don't necessarily suggest, but. We did, I turned all of my bandanas over to the manufacturer, which was my best-selling product. I 
Um, we did harnesses, collars, leashes, poop bag pouches. Oh, wow. And I think that, yeah, that was my first order, like a large order with a manufacturer. Hmm. Wow. That's a lot of, that's a, yeah, that's a lot. <laughs> and I would say my biggest advice with when you're ready to make your purchase, go a little bit slower than I, than I did. And especially, so I have four or five different designs of harnesses, colors, leashes that were all matching. So I probably spent, I think I spent 40,000 on my first order with this manufacturer. And that was a mistake because when you bring in a new product, you don't know how it's going to do. Even if you see other people maybe have a similar product, you just don't know how it's going to do. B, if the design isn't like awesome and people don't want it, you're going to be stuck with this extra inventory that people don't. (laughs) So definitely I would suggest starting a little bit slower, maybe introducing one design of a new product that you're doing definitely get samples from your manufacturer the samples that they already have and then also samples of what your product is actually going to look like with your design in them or if it's a product that you're making from scratch you know that you have prototyped to make sure you get product in your hand before you green light the manufacturing uh because just because maybe they have a similar product doesn't mean yours is going to look exactly the same and free spend all that money on it. Definitely worth it. But the process takes months. Like it takes a long time to make mm-hmm. this. So it's I mean it's definitely like time inducive and uh like for you when you're spending all this money, maybe you put a deposit down and you're just like, I want this now. But it, it definitely takes to create a good product. So Okay. Okay. Let's unpack this a little. So um, I can't believe you also like your first manufacturing, you had to shell out 40,000. That is a lot. of money. It was, but and I'm not going to lie. Like, stress. Two, stress. It, yeah, it was a lot of stress and two of the designs did so well. I sold out of them. And then the other two were just like bad. Like they did not sell at all. And I was stuck with that inventory. Oh, what happened with the inventory? Do you still have it? I actually eventually sold it all. I had it, you know, discounted in my sales section for a while. I had it on Etsy because oh, no. I just threw all my extra product over there. Um, mm-hmm. I never on Amazon, which is something that you've been trying to convince me to do for a while. But that is something um, that I'll probably look into eventually. But our products are selling pretty well right now. So I don't feel like we need to do that. But um. But yeah, it took a while, but finally, I think that was a two years ago that I bought my first order and they're finally gone. Oh my gosh. You're making me, think of, I don't know if you know about my Corgi dog toy story. I feel like I've talked about it a few times on the podcast. Ooh, um, no, no. So when I first started the Dapper Dog Box, one of my like ideal customers were Corgi, you know, Corgi dog owners. They were, they lo- like loved my brand. So I had lots of Corgis and I got, um, I, I don't know if I was invited or I applied. I don't remember, but I did Corgi Beach Day, which is this event in Southern California where oh, there's like yeah. thousands of like these Corgi dog owners that show up with their dogs and they have all these like, it's ridiculous. I mean, it's, it's ridiculous in like the most amazing way possible. I feel like they need a Corgi Beach Day for like all dog breeds because, you know, who doesn't want to go to the a beach or wherever it is and just have like thousands of um, really cool dogs. But anyway, I was a vendor and this was my first time ever being a vendor. So of course I had no idea what the hell I was doing. And I did the Corgi beach day event the first year. And then I went back the second year and I was like, I'm like, I'm super smart. Oh wait, I'm not. Um, which you'll find out why. So I was like going to this Corgi beach day event and I was like, I'm going to make a Corgi dog toy and people are going to be like, people will love it. It'll be so awesome. So Mm -hmm. I worked with pride bites. Do you know them? They're a dog toy company. I don't Sounds know if they're popular anymore. I have no idea, but they were on shark tank. And so I think they, I think they do well because of that. But anyway, so I, I had Corgi dog toy toys made working with pride bites. We created the design. We, you know, like this whole thing. So like, I, I wouldn't consider it manufacturing, but like in a small way. Mm-hmm. And I had three I think I spent $3,000, which, you know, I was still like 
newer business owner. I think I was maybe about a year, a little bit more than a year in. Um, So it was a lot of money for me to spend. And (laughs) I don't know, they were $6 each. So 500 employees. So I show up with my boxes of fucking Corgi toys and guess how many I sold. (laughs) I don't know how many. (laughs) I think none. I don't think I sold a single one. Were they cute? They were really cute. They were like a floated and it had a corgi picture. They were really cute. So this is a great example of always getting samples, doing some market research, getting feedback from customers. Hey, would you want to buy this like $10 corgi toy with this face on it? And they say yes or no. Um, I didn't do any of that. I just assumed I knew what my people would want. And they did in fact not want a corgi dog toy. So that toy, not only did not, did it not sell at two other, I went to Corgi beach day three times. So it didn't sell at that one or the next one. And they also didn't sell on my website. So I would have to like give those stupid things out. I I basically took $3,000 and like threw it up in the air and threw it out the window because that's how much return on investment I got back from the Corgi beach toys. I did not get any return on investment and I just wasted money. And it's a great example of, you know, you talked about getting samples and like making sure that something is going to sell before you invest a lot of money into it and not to, and I'm going to say my two cents is don't ever, ever, ever assume, you know, what people want, because I want you to think of that Corgi beach toy example, because I still have a few of those toys in my damn garage. It's been like four years ago. I think I made this. I'm sure you're tired of looking at them. Oh my God. I hate them. And I've meant, I've had multiple episodes where I talk about this on the podcast. It, they like literally give me anxiety. Like I will have nightmares about Corgi beach J toys forever because I hate them. Yeah. I, I couldn't get rid of them. Like people did not want the damn thing and it's like super cute. So yes. anyway, I, I had to share. No, but no, that's so true about like market research. And here's the thing, like, especially with pet um, supplies right now, there are these manufacturers that just have these cookie cutter products and you see, and you'll notice, like, honestly, the harnesses right now in the pet industry are so oversaturated. There's the same thing. They look the same. Everyone's buying them because they're just assuming that everyone wants that type of product. Well, here's the thing, just because a business has them doesn't mean that they're selling. Yeah. And they, when you first buy something, you don't know exactly how your customers are going to react to it. Maybe there's a lot of features that they don't like about it that could be better. Um, and so let's say you start off with it and then people offer suggestions of how to make that better. Well, your next order, you can implement those and make it so much better than having all the stock of inventory. So I think that, yeah, that is a great example. Your, your Corgi Beach Day story. I'm going to use that. That's a, that's a great example of that. And definitely, uh, you know, I, yeah, I was the prime example of buying something that I thought that everyone was just going to love just because, you know, I was putting my own design on it. And I realized, you know, that type of harness that we were selling for a little bit, I actually didn't like it. I, it's not the best for my dog. So I've spent the last year redesigning, you know, actually, you know, testing them on my dogs, what I like, what I don't like, and making this product that is actually going to be beneficial for the pet industry and going to change something. And you're not just doing the same old shit that everyone else is doing. Um, yeah. So I think that's a huge deal and like I said it's going to take time to you know like work that out yeah it's going to take a lot of time to like figure out what is a better product but you're going to make your brand and you know the the industry is so much better for doing that and offering something unique for sure yeah and I think too I, I like how you're talking about sort of like just because someone else is selling something doesn't mean that it's going to work for you because I think you see especially in the pet space, because I work with, you know, multiple students in my programs and some, some of my clients are in the pet space. And so I see the products they're putting out there and Instagram clearly must know that I'm a dog person. I don't know. Cause I get, you know, hit with like pet brands all the time. So I'm constantly being hit with like dog bandana companies. And we were talking about this earlier too. Like everything looks the same, the same you know, that you can tell like people are using the same Lightroom, um, feed, not, not feature. What's it called? Action uh, filter. Yeah. Yeah. The filter on the photos. And it's like, so you, you see 
all these like boho brands and they all look, every picture looks the same. And it's just like, everyone is doing the same shit and that is not going to work for you. So if just because, you know, Karen's company has, you know, dog bandanas with stars on them, doesn't mean that you need to also be doing dog bandanas with stars or whatever it is. It's kind of a bad example, but, um, you know, it's important to sort of find unique things, which brings me to another question. You know, when you are starting to look into manufacturing, how, like, with so many manufacturers, I know, cause I've looked at, um, we'll talk about like some options here, but like Alibaba is a really big, that's a place where you can get product from overseas. Like, mm-hmm. how do you know which person to like work with or how, like, how do you know who to even choose? Because even so many of those people have the exact same product, the same type of photos. Mm-hmm. Uh, how do you kind of weed out all these like potentially bad manufacturing companies? Right, right. My first step, if I am looking on Alibaba, which mm-hmm. I will say is, I mean, there's really no other manufacturing platform that is so robust. And I mean, everyone that's a manufacturer is on Alibaba. It, it yeah. just is. And the fact of the matter is most manufacturers are overseas. There are very few manufacturers, especially in the pet industry. Actually, I don't think there's any pet color manufacturer, you know, like pet product manufacturers in the U.S. And you might have seen one, but I haven't, I've researched and researched and there really isn't any. Mm-hmm. And even when I find some, like if I do a filter on Alibaba that says US, these products I see are this, I am pretty sure that they just have like maybe a location here, but they're also maybe actually located and they're getting, getting their overseas. So it's kind of like a guide. So fact of the matter is most of your products are probably going to be coming not from the US, which I feel like in today's climate in trade, people don't want to know that. (laughs) Um, Some people don't want to know that. Me, I have no problems with it because, I mean, other countries make products just fine. Actually, I mean, most of products um, not made in the U.S. are really, really good quality. And, you know, my my husband gets, he's he's a a fad for, um, like, it's his hobby to get these really expensive bikes, like bicycles. He, he's just, he's such a nerd about it. He has like five bicycles, and most of um, these manufacturers of bicycles are in like Thailand, I believe. Um, but he's like, it's the best. It's you know, it's the best quality. They're like the you know the star of making them. So you know, other some other countries just make them better. So, anyway, so going back to that, Alibaba is um, a great place to look for. Uh, manufacturers but how I usually decide if a brand is good or bad is number one I go to the ratings because you know reviews and social proof are you know the number one thing you look for when you're buying from someone um so I kind of go through that they have like a business performance uh definitely on there Alibaba has this thing that offers trade assurance you definitely want to make sure that um manufacturer offers trade assurance because that is basically their their vow if that something is wrong, that it will be taken care of within X amount of days. So that's definitely something to look for. There's a lot of places on there that don't have it, but they're cheaper and they're quicker to ship to you. So it's kind of tempting to go with them. I would probably just, <laughs> if you're gonna spend, you know, a good chunk of money, definitely go with ones that are, you know, verified and spend the time to do that. So yeah, that's definitely something I look for. You can kind of tell like when people are using, maybe copying other people's photos, because it seems like they're just grabbing photos from other people's, you know, or Instagram and, you know, products from makers and stuff like that. So I kind of try to steer clear from those people. Definitely, uh, if any recommendations ever come to me, I use those too. But when searching, I definitely use those. And then definitely getting the samples. That is huge because just because it looks one way in a photo doesn't mean that's exactly what it's going to look like when you get it. Yeah, that's awesome. And then I'm just thinking of like one of my clients who uh, this past year, she, I don't know what she was manufacturing something, but she like, they kept not sending the samples and then they were like, oh yeah, it'll ship, it'll ship. And then it just kept not shipping. And it took like months for her to get one sample of a product and she was getting so frustrated. And then she went, she gave them like another chance and then she ordered a different product and it was like the same thing. And so finally after months, she was like, okay, this manufacturer isn't 
just, it's not working because they don't have good, they're not communicating with me. They're not giving me updates. And then they are sort of, it seemed like they're kind of lying about when things are actually being shipped out. So I think that's another, um, if you are working with a manufacturer or you're new to it, you know, try someone out, but if it doesn't work, then, you know, you can find a different person to work with. So, um, yeah, it's definitely trial and error and like definitely not. I think that's also key not to spending too much money in your first order too, just to make sure that that product is, is exactly what you want. Because I've even had samples sent to me that look great. And then my actual product come, that comes to me isn't the same thing. <laughs> so I'm like, what happened here? Jeez. How is that legal? Like, how do they even do that? I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. So that is something that I've had to file a claim. So trying to get that figured out. There's there. I mean, a lot, of, I've had a, a lot of good experiences though. and especially the main manufacturers that I work with has had, like, I've had a great experience with them. They're all just a little different. And when you were finding the people to make, or the products, uh, let's talk about like the product. So when you were looking for a product to manufacture, how did you come up with the idea for the product? Did you look at like Google trends or, um, you know, there's different like trend websites you can look at, or were you just thinking in terms of your industry, this kind of product would like you did the harness, this product would be good for my ideal customer. Um, were you kind of just using that or were you using like a trend analytic data kind of platform or even like Pinterest? I think Pinterest is a great example of looking at what is trending just by like typing words into the search bar. Yeah. I don't, when I placed my first order, I wasn't that savvy. So I didn't understand that I, besides the catalog that they offered, which was like the cookie cutter, you know, products, I didn't know you could go outside of that and kind of tweak what you needed to and even create your own products, like they'll prototype things for you. And I didn't realize that. So my first order was very much on the trend of the hot sell things, you know, that are, you know, that are very much in the pet industry right now. And I just assumed that they would do well. Mm-hmm. Now, I very much, you know, spend a lot of time on the design. Like I said, testing most of my research comes from testing it on my own dogs and what I like and what I don't like, because I figure, you know, that's probably a majority, majority of people, what they don't like about some products with their dogs. So, you know, I'm probably my best tester, but then definitely design, of course, like trends, Pinterest, you know, colors, those are things that I look like, look at all the time for my products, you know, uh, design for the fashion industry, just in general. Um, prints, patterns, colors, definitely. Those are things that I I do now, <laughs> but not necessarily on my first order. So I've, I've learned a lot. I can imagine. I think manufacturing is something that there's like so many moving parts to it. And I, yeah, there's a lot to learn. There's moving parts. I also forgot, like, as I was saying before, oh, I haven't manufactured anything. And then I'm, now I'm keep thinking of more examples. This isn't really manufacturing, but I got boxes. My second order of Dapper Dog box, I actually got the box printed from overseas and it was such a horrible experience. So I've, and that's not really manufacturing. That's just getting boxes printed overseas. Um, but I did get bandanas for the boxes manufactured. So I, I would have someone design the pattern and then I would send that to the manufacturer and then they would send me my box of bandanas each month. So that was, I had a fantastic almost for the most part, except like one month where they screwed up with the bandanas were printed the wrong opposite direction. They looked horrible. Uh, besides that pretty much seamless experience, but when I got, and this goes to my question and I'm just rambling on, but um, I got my boxes printed must've been like my third month in my business. So I'm still like figuring out what the hell I'm doing. And I ordered 500 boxes from overseas. They showed up at, I was living in Southern California and they showed up at like a port in Long Beach and I had to go and pick them up. And I got hit with like a huge bill for something. I don't know if it was like tariff or customs or whatever the hell it was, but the boxes went from being, this is like another corgi story. It's like, I actually blocked this out of my memory. They went from being like $2 a box to like six or $6 or $7 a box. Yes. And the boxes were so ugly. They were hideous. They were the wrong color. 
they were like this awful, um, you know, those like Converse shoe boxes, they're like long and like thinner. They, they were like that. It was like a fucking purple Converse shoe box that was hideous. And I was like, Oh, it wasn't even your brand color. No, they got, they messed up on the color too. Mm -hmm. I mean, it wasn't like super off, but it was still not the same color. And I, I can't believe how much money I had to spend on these boxes and they were ugly. They were the wrong size. <laughs> like I didn't, ex- I didn't know that I had to pay the, I think it was like customs or something. I don't know. Exactly. You know I had to pay that. And so it went from being like, you know, $2 product to six or seven or something. And, you know, if you have a subscription box or any business, I don't even care if it's e-commerce or subscription, you know, if you're spending $6 on your packaging, for like a $30 product that a customer is buying, you just ruined your, like you have no margin now. So yeah, it's another, like these are growing pains that we all have to go with from having a product business from learning, but like, holy crap. So I'm glad you brought that up because (laughs) customs is something that you have to pay on every, yeah, over a certain amount. Even if you were just to order from, you know, like a normal store, let's say. If it's over a certain amount, like a couple thousand dollars, you have to pay customs on that. And so imagine paying customs on a $40,000 order. So I think for manufacturer, for a business owner that coming over, I think the tariff is about um, 8%. So I paid probably, you know, close to, close to $4,000 for that $40,000 order. So yeah, it's, it's high and it can churn your product. Yeah, like you said, being to a, a cheaper product to actually kind of more expensive. So yeah, that's definitely something to consider. You will always have to figure that in and especially into what you're going to charge for that product too. Yes. I think shipping is shipping is just always such a nightmare. Um, I have to say, I do not miss going to the post office every damn day, but shipping, <laughs> like getting products from overseas and then paying for those like shipping fees or customs. It's just such a nightmare. And those are two different things. So you have to pay for the shipping fee like yeah. from, and then you have to pay for the customs. So you're looking at like, you know, a couple thousand dollars for shipping and then a couple thousand dollars for customs too. But yeah. Back to that box thing though. Honestly, I think some of the box makers that pose as a, you know, as in the U.S., I don't know, like, let's say like Packlane or Arca or whatever the ones that are big ones. I'm Mm. pretty sure that they get some of them, not all of them, but some of them get them made overseas and they just ship them directly from overseas for you. So I think that is a profitable profitable way for them to do business. I don't know if they just eat those custom fees because obviously you're not paying for those, but um, I'm pretty sure because I've had some businesses that I've worked with that I thought were located in the US and they Oh, wow. Um, yeah, that's something. I know. But, and I know too, if you do get like boxes printed from like a pack lane, they're super expensive. I mean, they are like $6 a box, but you know, yeah, the box manufacturing is like a whole nother topic that I, I actually need to make an episode about that because I've done like the pack lane style packaging. I have done the overseas <laughs> packaging and I've done um, box like I worked with a manu- box manufacturer company in the US, multiple ones where I had, you know, I ordered the print plates and die boards. I had a design made and then I got the boxes printed locally. And those are just like the greatest thing ever. And that's when you can get the okay. package- packaging down to like a dollar. So you're not paying $6 for a box, which, oh my gosh, yeah. that sounds like such a waste of but money. The, the minimums are high though, right? When you do it that way. Yeah, like, yeah. the box like, yeah, I didn't do box manufacturing until I was, I think the second year, uh, maybe a year and a half in is when I created my box, my beautiful, like, oh my gosh, my, my beautiful box design for the Dapper Dog box. And then, yeah, but it took me like a year and a half, I think. So it took, it took quite a while, but once you're at a certain level box manufacturing, the boxes just make sense because you get mm-hmm. them for a low price. And then obviously also too, like you need packaging to send in your, to your customers. And when I was working with the, like the, I didn't ever work with pack lane, but I did, um, a company called box up based in Ohio. I think they were, Okay. you know, sometimes I would order like 500, a thousand at a time. Maybe it was like 500 at a time. And then I would not have enough packaging to send my, my customers if their, if their order came in late. 
So many times I had to go and order white boxes from, you know, Uline or Amazon and go have stickers made. I mean, packaging is just like such a nightmare. Yeah. I think that is probably my biggest mistake and what I've learned because I'm like, oh, I'm only going to pay, I'm just going to spend $500 because it's, or I'm just going to get 500 because it's, you know, a little less expensive and then I'll order more when I need to. But in the end, it's so much cheaper to order more and in bulk. So now I order like 5,000 at a time, which seems ridiculous, but it actually goes pretty like quicker than I think it does. And it's so much cheaper because you're paying so much, you're paying a higher price when you're buying these lower quantities. Yeah. So yes, exactly. Yeah. So if you know your business is doing well, that you're going to be in business the next year and you're going to be using the same packaging, you might as well just invest in it. So that way you're actually paying cheaper for the boxes and you won't run out because I used to run out. Oh my gosh. Yeah. It's funny. I, I, I feel like I've, you know, we were chatting about this earlier. I feel like I literally have like blocked out, not blocked out, but like, I just forget things from my old business because it's, you know, I sold it actually, I think it's right around my anniversary of three years. It was, I think it's the last day of January, I believe is when I officially, like I got my escrow payment from the, from the buyer. So I think it was like the January, um, 30th or 31st. So yeah, I'll have to celebrate um, this year. Um, but yeah, it's been about three years and you like literally just forget everything. Um, it's funny. I don't know. It, it, it might just be a mental, you know, blocked. You just want to <laughs> be done with it. But I don't know. You rocked it. You, you did that business really well. You, yeah, it, it, Deborah Dog Boss was awesome. Are they still in business? Yeah, they are. Um, oh. I For some reason, their Instagram doesn't seem to be up, but yeah, okay. I, um, I see their website. So, and I don't, I don't check it often, but someone was asking me something recently and I looked and yeah, their website's still up. So I don't know what happened with their Instagram. Maybe it was like turned off or something. Um, yeah, I don't keep like updates on anything. So I have no idea like how it's doing, but, um, yeah, it's nice when I, it is nice. Like when I Google them, I Google them for, I was pulling something for something. I don't know. And I've went online to pull a picture and, um, you know, you, start this like business and it just ends up being this bigger thing. And your pictures all over the internet. I don't know. It just, it feels, it feels interesting. I don't know. It's hard to describe, but it's yeah. fine. I look back and I'm like, I can't believe I created that. It's, it's a cool feeling, you know? So and I'm sure you feel the same way. Like you see pictures of your product online and you're like, shit, I created that. So cool. Yeah. Yeah. That's so cool. I'm <laughs> like, Especially when you say Instagram too, because you grew that Instagram like to a huge following. So I'm sorry that that happened. That it's not up anymore. So, and if yeah. it were me, I would be looking at the business that I sold all the time because that was your baby. So that's <laughs> good that you you're obviously over it. You know, you've moved on, which is great. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I I I feel like um, I feel a little connection, but not not that much. I don't know. It's it's funny how yeah. you can just kind of like move away from something that you put your whole life into, you know, like, and I'm sure a lot of people listening, like they have their business and you, you really do like you put so much energy and love and care and you have like these amazing. So, okay. I'll say one thing. I, I do love the, I loved the customers. And so I think that was actually the hardest part was, um, not having those conversations with my customers all the time. But besides that, bigger and better things, I think. Yeah. <laughs> obviously built another business that, you know, just this growing empire of, you know, your podcasting courses. I mean, yeah. But it's <laughs> nice to like be able to help people, you know, um, yeah. you know, we like, just like we're talking about all these mistakes, some people, especially in other podcasts, I see like, they just want to talk about, Oh, like I grew this huge business and I'm perfect. And I'm like, I made a shitload of mistakes and I don't want you to make the same mistakes I did. So I love being super transparent and super honest and open about the stuff that, um, a lot of other podcasts or not even podcasts, just in general, like, you know, Oh, I made six figures yesterday when I was sleeping. It's easy for people to say like silly things like that, but it's actually helpful for people to learn or to, to hear you talk about your mistakes and then say, okay, well, you know what? I want to do manufacturing now. And, now I know maybe how to find the right manufacturer and like, no, I'm not going to order $40,000 on my first try doing it. You know what I mean? So yeah, yeah, I think it's important to share mistakes. 
Oh, absolutely. And those people that you're talking about that just make, you know, owning a business seem like it's lined with gold. Um, <laughs> I, I, they're definitely selling that way of life so they can profit off of you. I'm sure that their business that they've made isn't their main income. How they're making money is off of you selling that type of lifestyle to you. So for you and I just being super transparent about it, like, yeah, businesses are really freaking hard. Like they're really hard to manage and grow. But if you have the right tools, you know, from people that have already made mistakes like you and I, that's great. You can start off on a better footing than we did. And you you always learn something new every single day in your business. You're going to learn something new and be better at it and improve. So the fact that those people can just off the gate, start a business and be super successful. I find that very unlikely. Very unlikely. Yeah. No, I agree too. Um, And I think like, and I know we're kind of switching gears a little, which is fine. Um, I think mindset is such, is something that I've really worked on the last few years, but I know when I had my business, um, I know a lot of people that are listening um, feel the same because a lot of you are, are my students in my programs and you tell me pretty much every single day, you know, you look at another, you look at a competitor and you're like, oh my gosh, they're doing so like their businesses, they have a huge business and they're growing and they're doing so much better than me and everyone loves their product and they don't like mine. Yet, if you actually knew what was going on with the other business, you'd probably see all the cracks that they're dealing with and like the hardship that they're dealing with. And it's really easy to compare your business to competitors, especially competitors, um, and just say, oh, well, they're doing so well, but you actually don't know if they're doing well. It's very easy. It's very easy to be like manipulated by people on Instagram. And, um, I don't know. So I think, I completely agree. I think we hear that every single day, you know, Instagram isn't real life. Well, I mean, that's so true, not just with influencers and creators and you know, these models on Instagram, but it's also businesses. You have no idea. Just because they appear one way doesn't mean that is what is going on in behind their business and their staff. And it's also your perception too, right? So you can perceive that a business is doing well just because, because you like what they're doing, but I mean, it's not reality. So yeah, yeah I, I completely agree. Yeah, I love it. Okay, let's do another question about manufacturing. Sorry, I know that um, I feel like I took us off track a little, um, but it's all good. I feel like we're sharing like, you know, things that business don't all. If you're, we're recording this in video and she's holding up her beautiful little dog. It looks like a little bear, honestly. Oh my gosh, I love it. We actually call her Rue Bear. She's one of Brittany. I love it. So cute. So cute. Okay. Back to manufacturing. So we talked about like ways to get started. We talked about, um, shipping or a little bit about shipping and customs. Um, Alibaba is the great place to get started. What about like minimums and stuff? I know like some people have asked me questions on minute, like what are the minimums you have to buy? So say, say I want to put out a, okay, I'm going to give you a real example because I actually thought of this recently. And then I decided, Oh my God, what the hell are you thinking? So I ordered Mm -hmm. recently a (laughs) new case for my laptop and it's like this beautiful black faux crocodile print. And I'm obsessed with it. It's like the most beautiful thing. So it arrived in the mail and the packaging was like everything you could think of. It was beautiful and perfect. And I opened up the product and I have this beautiful laptop case that I'm obsessed with. And I was like, Oh my gosh, I want, I, maybe I should manufacture, <laughs> like, what the hell are you thinking? <laughs> I should manufacture laptop cases. <laughs> so I literally, I'm not even joking. I went to Alibaba and I started looking up, like, I think I put typed in Lux MacBook pro cases. And I started seeing all this crap that showed up. And then after about 10 minutes, I was like, what the hell are you doing? No. And I like turned it, I X'd out and I turned it off. So this is, and this is like a daily look into my brain, which I feel like you probably are like, oh yeah, I totally get it. Not doing something I probably should be doing. And no, I'm not going to start manufacturing laptop cases. I just had like a moment of something. I don't know. So anyway, I started looking through Alibaba at all these laptop cases 
And I actually like literally started opening up the listings and like scrolling through, looking at photos. And again, I, I'm not going to do this, but let's just say I actually wanted to do this. What would my first step be? Like maybe walk us through like briefly sort of what I would do. So I would go through what I like, um, reach out to the first person and get a sample. Um, yeah. Say you wanted to make laptop cases with like a specific design on them. What would you do? So a lot of the times, okay. So on Alibaba, you'll see under the product, I think it's right under the product photos, you'll see their minimums and it'll usually be minimum in general, just for like the plain product without a logo minimum for a graphic customization, which would be what you're talking about. So your own custom design um, mm-hmm. and then a minimum for your logo on it as well. So you actually, it's not the basic product. You actually have to hit specific minimum. All of them differ. I would say the least amount you're going to see usually is a hundred mm-hmm. for your logo. Graphic customizations are usually more expensive. So, or more, more of a minimum, um, I would say 100 to 500 pieces are going to be like your specific graphic design, print, or whatever you're going to do on them. So, I'd say about 100 to 500 is the typical. And from that point on, if you you just message them because there's a, a chat feature directly from there, and it'll pre-populate the product that you're interested in in the message, and you're like, hey, I'm interested in this. This is what I want. I'm always super specific. I make however you want to lay it out, you know, in Canva or Illustrator or PDF, whatever you want to do. Um, I usually lay out specifically what I want. So there's no like, I probably go over in detail just so they have an exact idea of exactly what I want, where I want my logo, what prints I want, so they can give me an accurate case. Um, and that's kind of how I, I work with them. And then usually I just get samples of their general product first just so, to make sure it's the quality that I like, what I want, what this product is. And then from there, if I like that, then we'll go in more specifically to customizing my design from there before I spend that effort on maybe a product that isn't great. Okay. And okay. Um, yeah, go ahead. <laughs> oh, no, I was going to say, no, that, that makes sense. And then yeah. like, keep going. Sorry. Oh, no, that's fine. And then back to your uh, thing about like, should you you know, start carrying laptop cases. Well, I think this kind of goes to an episode, which I did listen to about the Amazon episode is like, you know, look to see what is trending and what are hot sales right now for people placing orders online. If lap- laptop cases, maybe nobody's buying laptop cases except you, you know, maybe you, it's not like a big market. I actually don't have a laptop case. So maybe oh. it's just something that is not, a, you know, a big market. So you need to make sure before you start that, that this is something that people are actually searching for. And there are tools to see what people are shopping for and what is trending. And I thought that that Amazon episode that you had was terrific learning about what products, because, you know, I think did your client uh, or the person that was on air with you were selling garden hoses? Is that what it was? I think her husband, but she, she's like a little whiz with all that. She like, she has the same brain, I think, as we do. Like, thinks of the yeah. idea, like, runs with it. She'll just, like, figure out all the steps and she'll just do it. Um, she's awesome. Jenny from Fido Fizzies. We love you. So, yeah, I think her husband was ordering, <laughs> selling garden hoses or something. Yeah. Uh, and it's nothing glamorous. You think, why would someone want to buy garden hose? But he made decisions based on data, which is so important. Mm-hmm. And even though we're talking about manufacturing here, with any e-commerce business, you need to be making decisions based on data um, with everything and not just, again, assuming that people want to buy something. So yeah, right. that was, that was a good episode. I, Amazon is just such a beast. So it's it, a lot. Yeah, it, it is. Yeah. No, I, I think that is fantastic advice just, just to get that data and research in first to make sure this product is actually something somebody and then, yeah, I mean, if there are products out there and you're not too, if you just want to make money and you're not, you're not too concerned about what the product is, you can make a lot of money selling garden hoses if that's in, you know, demand. So I think, I think that's fantastic. But if you want something that you're going to be passionate about, definitely take the time to figure out what that is. Have you ever worked with a manufacturer who will ship products directly for you 
or do they always, cause I've heard the, I've heard when you get to a certain level, you can like work with people overseas who will actually ship product out for you, which seems pretty amazing. I'm not sure how yeah. that works exactly, but sounds pretty good. Have you done anything like that? I haven't done that in the sense of like shipping single orders. No. Mm-hmm. And there is a tab on Alibaba that says drop shippers. And that is what you would be using. So they're basically going to have control of all of your orders. I don't know. I would assume it's some sort of integration that you would set up with your Shopify, that the orders would go directly to them. They would fulfill it. Maybe they would print your packaging for you. They would do that all. You know, you'd have to work that out with them, which would be both of my dogs are just laying on, you know. Sitting um, like right on you. It's so funny. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's almost dinner time, so that's you know, like okay, just like silently nudging you. Um, so yes, I I don't know that anyone that has worked with those yet, but in my sense of working with, let's say, my manufacturer, and I sealed a deal with, um, let's say, oh, I worked with the Cosbox. You remember the Cosbox? It oh, was. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Uh, I think their name is something different now, but I worked with them about two years ago and they needed just like, uh, you know, thousands of bandanas to be in their box. So my manufacturer actually shipped directly to them instead of coming to me first. So that was something I, so if you have those partnerships with stores and you start getting into major retail stores, then that is the point where your manufacturer can, you know, get the product completely ready for you and store ready and ship so that is definitely a possibility too. Um, and that's something I learned later too, that they could do that, which I didn't. So that's a great feature that they can do. Um, but yeah, I'm curious to see the people that have tried the drop. I think I, Jen, I think it was the episode with Jenna from Phytophysies. I feel like, I don't know if it was before the episode or maybe this was a different conversation with someone else where they were saying that, I think it was because I was talking about how there's someone on YouTube who, I want to say she she sold like waste, those waistband things. I don't even know what they're called. And there's all these videos on YouTube that are like, I made, I made like, she's obviously sells a course on like how to manufacture something. I don't know. Or maybe it's Amazon, but she, and these are like the quintessential people that I can't stand because they make it sound like, oh, you're going to launch your new laptop case company tomorrow and you're going to start making $600,000 a day. But that's the kind of stuff that she posts. I don't know. I don't remember her name, but yeah, it's like I made $600,000 every single day selling on Amazon. I'm going to show you how to do the same thing. I just hate people like that because they make it sound so easy and it's not easy. And even if you come up with some really cool product or you manufacture something and it works, it doesn't also mean that you're just going to make that much money quickly. And again, like just because I don't know, I just think it's like, it's like snake oil. You know what I mean? Um, and I don't like that kind of stuff, but yeah, I I feel like we were talking about that on that episode and I was like, we're referring to that girl. And I think that's a kind of thing that like, I think maybe Jenny was, and I don't know if this is true. Like she was saying that that kind of business, you can just ship from overseas to the customer. Yeah, I don't know. I have no idea. I know. Well, and I know because you're your husband works at Amazon, right? So, mm-hmm. and you probably know a little bit more, but yeah, pretty much like, I think most things that don't say prime on them, are not necessarily, but a lot of them, if you notice, they take a really long time to ship, they're going to be shipping from overseas. But, and it, it's not super easy because obviously you have to vet the product first and get that set up and then make sure, first of all, that you're going to rank well in Amazon for that product because you could, you know, get this ready and maybe it won't sell. So you have to make sure it's a good selling product and make sure you're getting it up into the listings and algorithm of Amazon. But I mean, besides that, yeah, waistbands, like I don't, I don't think I, I, I agree with her that maybe it is easy and nice because she doesn't have to touch the product, but it's just the setup of getting that ready. I'm sure that takes the most amount of time. But if it's a great selling product, yeah, I would assume, I mean, it's probably a great idea that that you can get that set up. Or I, I don't doubt that she made a lot of money on it. Yeah. I don't know who it is again, but I get targeted from all these people on YouTube now. Like every time I open up YouTube, I get like, I'll help you make six figures in 24 hours with my product. And I'm like, 
And I get the same, like, I think his name is like Russ Rafino or something. I don't even know. Every single time I go to YouTube, this dude pops up with his same annoying advertisement and Mm -hmm. it gets shown to me every single day. And I've not once ever clicked on it. I don't know why they keep showing it to me, but it's, it's pretty irritating. I just don't like those. Like, like I help people grow their e-commerce businesses, but I'm not like, I'm going to help you make six figures in three days. You know what I mean? It's just not realistic. So I just get very, I get annoyed by those people because they make it sound super simple. Like I was watching something else recently and she was talking about, um, she was doing, it was a webinar on how to, um, how to start and launch, you know, an e-commerce shop. So I do have, I'm trying to be focused, but I do want to have a course on, because I have a course on how to start a subscription box. And I do yeah. want to have something on starting an e-commerce shop because, because I, I just, there's not a lot of stuff out there. There is, but there's not a lot. And I love talking about starting a product business. I love it. I love it. I love it. So anyway, so, um, I was checking out someone else's webinar, um, just to kind of see what she said, you know, and she's one of those people again, where it's like, oh, you can like, it's so easy to launch a store and like, you can, this person launched, um, I think it was like a butt mask or something. She launched a butt mask and she started. A butt mask? Yes. I, I, I don't know. Yep. <laughs> she launched. It, but I will find that in the Google search. <laughs> I hope you go- please Google search and let me know what you find. <laughs> I just like spit because I laugh so loud. Um, yeah. She launched a but her butt mask, bum mask company. And, you know, again, like she started making a thousand dollars a day in a month or something. Um, and she was talking about how she started her Instagram account for one of her products and she grew her Instagram account to something ridiculous. Like I grew my Instagram account to 200,000 followers in six months. And it's like, when I hear stuff like that, I get really mad because that is not like, you do not grow an Instagram account that big in six months, unless number one, you are paying for followers Two, you, you spent a ton of money to buy someone else's Instagram account that had 600,000 followers, you know, like, or 200,000. It's just not true. And I get really mad when people make it seem so easy because yes, sometimes it can be easy, but generally it's not. And then I think it discourages the people that are actually launching a business. And then they're like, Oh shit, I launched a business and I have no sales and I don't know how to get sales. And I don't know how to get traffic to my store. And I don't know how to do Amazon and, uh, I suck. And then they close their business. So. Right. And then they paid for a course that I mean, basically didn't help them. So that was more money. Yeah. Anyway, I feel like I can go on a, on a tangent about how much I, I get very frustrated by people just selling these, like, I'm all about helping people start or grow their business, but I'm also super realistic. I'm super honest. I'm super transparent to like an annoying level. And mm-hmm. I think when you make it seem like, oh, everything is so easy, you're just not, I don't know, like you're not doing it. You're doing a disservice to people, I think, because I think it's for the average person, it is not easy. And, um, I don't know. It just makes me mad. Yeah. I, th- I think that's a red flag for me too. When I see courses that way, like I immediately, like yeah. I'm definitely not taking that. anything that's super salesy or promises me something yes. that it yeah. seems unrealistic. I know is a red flag mm-hmm. and they're yeah. doing, I mean, that is a marketing pitch. That is that yeah. is something that is proven. It's like clickbait, right? It is something that is proven that people will click on and buy because they're offering this false sense of reality when in return, maybe they feel like they got some value from it, but they didn't actually get what was promised. Mm-hmm. So, and a lot of people aren't going to fight them on it. Yeah. But they get away with it. Yeah, I agree with you. Like in anything I have, I, you know, I give you like the roadmap to learning how to get more sales or like, you know, here's the step-by-step to learn how to market your business better. But, you know, I don't ever make promises. Like I'm going to help you make this amount of money because you can't, I just feel like you can't promise people that. I mean, every business is different and like, I can give you the tools, you know, here's how to do SEO. Here's how to create content that will get you organic search on Google. Like, here's a great way that you can take your customers and get them to like be obsessed with your brand. But 
that doesn't mean that any of that's going to work for your business. It just depends. Like it depends on you. How much effort are you putting in? Like, are you actually implementing the things that I'm, I'm, you know, telling you to do? Did you ever bother to validate your business idea? Do you know your ideal customer? Like there's just so many things and yeah, it's, I think promises can be um, just tricky, I would say for people. So, but yeah, I don't even know how we start talking about this. I feel like we've gone on like many tangents. <laughs> I know, this could be just two episodes, I feel <laughs> There you oh go. So awesome to have you on, Jeannie. Tell everyone mm-hmm. where they can find you and where they can buy your amazing pet products. Actually, yeah. and dog mom. Yes. And specifically dog. We don't do cats necessarily or any other animals. Um, but yeah, you can find us on Instagram at Ripley and Rue, R-U-E and Ripley and Rue.com. And I look forward to seeing your lovely faces in our Instagram community. Such a great episode. Absolutely love chatting with Jeannie. And again, manufacturing is something that there's so many moving parts to it. And you may have thought about manufacturing before, or maybe you haven't, but I hope this episode has given you a little bit of clarity and given you some step-by-steps on kind of how to get started in your own easy and manageable way. All right, guys, if you have not left a review on Apple podcast, I would greatly appreciate if you could take a moment and leave a little review. I do a happy dance every single time I see a new review and I truly, truly, truly am so grateful if you could do that for me. We also have a new freebie linked in the show notes that we are creating all these new free guides and free resources for you. So that's in the show notes as well. All right, guys, I'll see you next week. Thank you so much for joining me today. If you love this episode, please go ahead and leave a review on Apple podcast and then take a screenshot and share it on your Instagram stories. Tag me in it at Carrie A. Fitzgerald. My name is in the show notes. Thank you so much. And I'll see you guys next week.